If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jelani Woods. Touchdown. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up. Tipped and up. intercepted by the Colts. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left. And the Colts are going to win. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Welcome into the official Colts podcast brought to you by our friends at Win Las Vegas. J.J. Stankovitz, I'm Jeffrey Gorman. No Lara Overton in today, but we do have a lot to get over with. Hey, we're going to talk about some fun stuff at the end of the show I found out recently about our man right here, J.J. Stankovitz, and a couple of off-the-field things that he likes to, you know, have in his back pocket and hopefully surprise some of you listeners, but... Here we go. We got to start. Uh, I don't want to backtrack. We never do that very much on these uh, Tuesday podcasts, but it, it was pretty one-sided the other day. Just a quick yeah. once-over. The turnover's killed. I mean, the turnover's killed. You're yep. playing catch-up. That forces a different type of game plan going in when you're looking for points in a hurry. Yeah, you go back and you look at you know how that game played out, and it really was the four turnovers. Yeah. You know, the, the one where uh, after JT had that big 40-yard gain on the kind of mesh rub route, Gardner goes and throws the interception right after that. You know, it kind of took a lot of wind out of the sails. Just it was fourteen to three at that point. You're thinking maybe you get down there, you get some points before halftime. Um, and really, the difference was the Jaguars scored seventeen points off turnovers. The Jaguars won the game by seventeen points. I think that's kind of the the start and end of it. I did think this was interesting. I, I was listening to Colts Roundtable live here on the Colts Audio Network, driving in today. And Joe Wright's brought up a really good point. The Colts have turned the ball over eight times this year. Seven of those have come against the Jaguars. Really? Okay, so it's supposed to have been a turnover machine against in two games. For, seven, for whatever yeah. reason, but I think the reason is the Colts haven't been able to get the run game going against the Jaguars. Colts are done playing the Jags this year. Now we'll kind of see, okay, is that, was that a blip? Did the Jaguars just kind of have the Colts number this year, uh, both at Lucas Oil Stadium and at Everbank Field? And is this offense going to get back to being that efficient, taking care of the ball, not turning it over type of offense that we've come to know over the last couple of weeks. Gardner Minshew starting for the very near future, as far as you know, we can tell, because Anthony Richardson is, um, you know, is one of the reasons that Gardner is is getting this kind of playing time. And and I love when Gardner comes in relief, starting Anthony Richardson with a different skill set and a different game plan. Gardner comes in, shakes things up a little bit because it's easy, but. Gardner is a starting quarterback right now, limited in his skills to Anthony Richardson as far as footwork and things go like that. So it does kind of close that window a little bit for defensive coordinators. When you're facing Richardson, it's one thing. When you're facing Gardner, it's another. Here's the thing that I've kind of come to learn about this this team, and, and specifically, specifically Anthony Richardson, which we can get to, into mm-hmm. in a little bit, is that he really is a guy who elevates the rest of the team. Like you see that with Anthony Richardson, even in – four games he's only completed two of them um you see that ability in him and that's really exciting for what the future looks like here in indianapolis because specifically with the run game you can't kind of collapse everything into the middle and try to just sell out to stop zach moss or jonathan taylor because if you do that here comes anthony around the edge and also by the way if you put all those guys in the box anthony can throw it deep right. and and take advantage of it. Or if you're playing man behind these plays, Anthony can just take off and run. And if your your DBs have their backs to the quarterback, they're not seeing him until he's 10 yards downfield. Right. So he really does elevate everyone else on the field 
in a way that I think as you're thinking about the next five, ten years of what this offense can look like is very exciting. Obviously, that starts and ends with Anthony Richardson. Had need to get into some of the comments that the owner said recently about his health and where we're at. A lot of Colts fans know, and they've been reading on social media and everything. Will he have a chance to come back in a month? Will it be six weeks? Who knows? Well, Jim Irsay spoke with Stephen Holder from ESPN and said the most likelihood is he's probably going to be done for the year. I mean, it's not definite, but probably misses this year, and we're going to have to contend with that factor. There's debate going, but it's probably going to lead towards surgery in the next week or so. Now, keep in mind, this was yesterday when the owner spoke with older so we're in a about a week watch now as far as surgery goes and it's still up in the air he finished with saying we're just trying to figure out exactly how when and what we want to do and the most important part of the of what he said is this these last few words and what anthony wants to do because you have to understand surgery no surgery some of the players in the in the past years in the nfl have had this surgery come out on the other side. Others said, no, we're just going to let this thing heal by itself. So it's kind of a, you know, a juggling act right now of what the man, young man wants to do and his team around him saying, hey, is it going to be surgery? But Ursay did pun, you know, sort of point towards, uh, hey, this surgery is going to happen in the next week. And if that's the case, he's done for the year. JJ, uh, we wanted development out of the first year out of this, but find the good in that if you could find the good in that season ending potential surgery for Anthony Richardson well I think it would be that you just you take care of the problem and next year he's he's ready to go um you know it it it, it would suck if this Ooh. is the the way that it goes and again the the thing in here nothing's definitive on it yet um we'll kind of hear from you know, Shane Steichen as the week goes on, to, you know, to see if there is a definitive, all right, this is the path forward. Um, but kind of like I was saying, though, I I think we've seen a pretty good amount from Anthony that gives you hope for what he can be. And his ability to, you know, read a defense, to diagnose a defense, I think was ahead of where a lot of people thought it would be. Um, his ability to just kind of sit in the pocket, not take sacks. Uh, if he does take a sack, he doesn't lose a lot of yards maybe ahead of where people thought he would be. And I'm saying people on the outside. People here, I think, always kind of knew what he could be. Um, I think you can still leave this year encouraged by what Anthony has put on tape. Whether he comes back or doesn't come back, we'll kind of see on that. Um, Overall, though, I I think the, the foundation for him, for the reason why the Colts drafted him, which is the next five, ten years of this franchise, is pretty solid to me. Unfortunate. The concussion, the lower body injury, now the shoulder and stuff like that through just a handful of games like that. thats I don't want to cause for red flag. I'm not saying that. But this young man, we've talked about it before, hasn't played a bunch of big, big, big time football in his life, meaning you know 13 games uh, down in Florida and then just a spattering of NFL starts right there. For the future going forward, uh, protecting yourself. I want to go through the list of gamuts that the experts are talking about, keeping quarterbacks on the field. His skill set, we talked about it earlier. You know, Anthony can go around the outside even when he got a stacked backfield and stuff like that. Uh, at 240-plus pounds, J.J., and for the rest of his career, is he going to have to change the way that he plays the game a little bit? I, I, yeah, I mean, that's probably a, a better discussion for, you know, next year mm-hmm. once he gets healthy and, and once, you know, or, you know, when he if he were able to come back this year again, we'll kind of see. Um, that's probably a better discussion for, for later on. Right now, it's probably more about, hey, let's get this kid healthy. Right. Let's figure out what the course of action is, what he wants to do, 
and kind of go from there. Yeah, well, he does have that skill set we talked about, and it's tough not to talk about him running the football because he wants to do it so well. So, lost to the Jaguars. We call it a learning experience. Lessons to take going forward from that. Uh, Joe Wright said it best. You dug that little nugget up. Seven turnovers against uh, the Jaguars in two games. Eight total on the year. So, they're playing good against everybody else, but the division rivals, come on. Give me some takeaways from that because they obviously – Tough, tough to run the football against that front, yeah. but also tough to run the football when you're playing catch-up. Yeah, I think, I think the worry thing, the, the, the thing here that the Colts are going to need to figure out is the NFL is a copycat league, right? So teams might see, okay, the Jaguars are playing, they're playing heavy personnel, no matter what the, what, who the Colts are running out there. The Colts would spread it with four wide, Jaguars would still be in their base personnel with all those guys packed up on the D-line, four DBs playing behind it. That's going to be something the Colts are going to have to figure out now with Gardner Minshew back there at quarterback who doesn't have that same skill set that Anthony has to take it around the edge and run it on zone reads and read options. Um, So it's going to be interesting to kind of see what the Colts counter is. I think the one thing that I've come to learn about Shane Steichen is that he's got some other solutions in his, his toolkit. It's not just, well, we do this and we just have to do this better. I think he can, you can find some different schematic tweaks to get around that that are going to be interesting to kind of follow over these next couple of weeks. Because, by the way, the Browns, great defense. The Saints, great defense. These next two games at home are going to be big tests for the Colts offense against, to me, two of the you know, top five, 10 defenses in the NFL. The Jaguars, by the way, they got a, they got a real good defense sure they do. over there. They got some dudes. They got a really good defensive coordinator in Mike Caldwell. Um, th- this is going to be kind of a real interesting test to see where the Colts are before you get into that November stretch or you get on the plane to Carolina and then you go face Bill Belichick. Um, this kind of four-game stretch to me is going to be really telling for what the Colts can be this year. Because you got some good defenses in there. You got some good defensive coordinators you're going to go against that Shane Steichen's going to have to match wits against. Um, and we'll kind of see what those solutions might be. The, the, the problem that the Colts had against Jacksonville, kind of run it back there, is that they weren't able to pass the Jaguars out of that heavy personnel, those big bodies getting them in there. The, what, you know, Gardner Minshew, Ryan Kelly both said this after the game. They needed to kind of hit some of those outside shots to get the Jaguars to back off and say, all right, we got to get that fifth defense back on the field. That then just lightens up the personnel and allows you to have more opportunities to run the ball. This wasn't a Shane Steichen was unwilling to run the football type of game against Jacksonville. It was a, for the Colts to establish the run, they had to establish the pass first. That was what this, this game was going to dictate. And when the Colts were not able to establish the pass early in the game, it led itself to a result where Gardner Minshew threw the ball 55 times because they had to as the game went on and they were trying to chase a 15, 18, whatever point deficit that it was. We've, we've seen Minshew in his career go 22 or 25, those 24, 27 games, 20 or 22 type of stuff like that. That's where this offense yeah. would be perfect. My point is shifting towards the run game with Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor. When do these guys get going? And, and no Anthony Richardson in that thread on the outside, but with Minshew, can they, without playing catch-up, J.J., where can this running game take them over the course of, like you said, facing great defenses, but forcing 
teams to defend against the run because two guys that are playing out of their mind this year running the football right here, Zach right. Moss and Jonathan Taylor, I'm saying we know what Jonathan can bring. Well, and, and the Colts offensive line, too, is playing really mm-hmm. well. I think that's kind of the, the yeah, hard Ryan thing. Kelly, the best center in the league. I mean, by pro football focus, sure. it's it's pretty clear. Loud zero sacks on the year. Yeah. And pressures He's, and everything. He, Good if, you look at, if you look at his, I think it's his pass block grade. Mm-hmm on Pro Football Focus, which, like, take PFF grades for what you will. But if you look at that, he's, like, 10 points higher than the next highest-graded center in pass block grade. Mm. But as, a, as run blockers, you look at what he's doing. Bernard Ryman, Quentin Nelson, Will Fry's rock solid. Braden Smith's been really good in the run game. Whenever you've had a Blake Freeland or a Wesley French come in, it hasn't really – you haven't seen that step back that sometimes you see when reserve offensive linemen come in. Um, I think I'm still pretty confident in this run game. As things stand, the Colts haven't been able to run the ball against the Jaguars this year. They've been able to run the ball against every other team that they've played. Why is that? Just give me give me give me a once over. I think it's they the good teams, Baltimore defense right. included. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's the whatever it is about that Jaguars front seven has made it really difficult. The Colts are not the only team that have struggled to run the ball against that Jaguars front seven. The Bills had, I think, twenty eight rushing yards mm. the week prior. It is not. And, and that, by the way, was a team with a mobile quarterback yeah. and Josh Allen who can hit that edge. So they just kind of do it to everyone. And now they're, they got to be top three defense. I mean, I guess yeah, the run now. Yeah. I mean, they to, were five before they played us. Yeah, so. to, to me, that that's one of the best run defenses in the NFL. They also got Dewan Smoot back, mm-hmm. uh, who's a big guy in the in the interior. Um, I don't want to say like, I don't want to just chalk it up and just be like, ah, Colts aren't playing the Jaguars again. They'll be fine. You need to see it. The Browns have, to me, top two defense in the NFL right now coming into this game. What Jim Schwartz is doing has been incredible. Miles Garrett looks like a DPOI candidate. Um, they're playing some really interesting coverages on the back end. Rodney McLeod, by the way, former Colt, about that? Playing, playing really well, well over there. Yeah. Um, but to me right now, until I see this Colts run game really struggle against a defense that isn't the Jaguars, I might kind of chalk it up to, eh, it's just the Jaguars are a really good run defense, and they match up well against the Colts personnel. Elite running back in Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss, he is what he said, you know, grinder, we love him. But how long till JT can, so he can start motoring and get going and be like, you know, just fluid like we know JT. Yeah. No OTAs, no training right. camp, yep. et cetera. Yeah, I mean, think about it like that. Like, he, he hasn't really practiced mm-hmm. much. He's had five practices and two games since coming off PUP um, or since being activated to return from PUP. um, That's not a ton of time to really get used to it. And I think something that JT will get used to is kind of feeling out the run scheme and feeling out his offensive line. Even in years past, like I think about the 2021 season where JT started off that year and it wasn't like he came out of the gate just like, you know, 250-yard games. I'm going to pull up his his stats here early in that season because it took him a little while to kind of get going. And I think you see this sometimes with running backs where you get new personnel on the offensive line and you're sort of like, okay, like, you got to kind of figure it out. Jonathan Taylor's first two games of the 2021 season, he had 34 carries for 107 yards. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. And then he went on and had 1,800 yards, right. led the lead by 500. Like it, it took him a little while to kind of get going that season, and that was with a full training camp. But you're just kind of learning that new personnel, uh, you know, kind of learning now a new scheme with Tony Sperano coming in, kind of running that. I wouldn't be shocked if you hit this, you know, week 
three, four, five stretch for JT coming back, kind of going into the bye, where you really start to see not only a snap count going up, but that yards per carry average go up. Yeah, right. Now you've kind of got a couple games under your belt. Maybe he gets one more game where he gets around 50% of the snaps. He was at, uh, I think it was 40-something percent against the Jaguars. And then you start to see now, okay, he's getting comfortable. He's learning how to set up his blocks, how to set up his blocks in the scheme, I should say. And then you see him really start to take off. And and maybe even like if you're thinking about it after that bye week, that could be where you see Jonathan Taylor just go like like that, where he's he's getting there, he's getting there, he's getting there. You hit the bye, come back after that, and then it's just go time. Focus on the offense? He could be. He absolutely could be. But, I mean, Zach Moss is still here. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. like the, the, I, I'll, I'll, let me re, 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 retract that. Running game from here on out with Minshew in at the quarterback yeah. position, is that the focus of this? Well, I think, I think it kind of has to be. <clears throat> like Gardner, Gardner's a really good quarterback when he can kind of sit back there, pick apart a defense with those shorter throws, with quick game, and then not make those mistakes. Um, I, I don't totally know what happened on some of those mistakes against Jacksonville where he just kind of sailed some throws. Sure. Those are uncharacteristic right. a lot for Gardner Minshew. Yeah. You, you don't see him do that very often. And I looked it up. He still has the sixth lowest career interception percentage in NFL history among quarterbacks with a thousand attempts. Like it's him at 1.7% with like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert right. down there. And you, the, on that list, you got Aaron Rodgers, a couple other guys, Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett, guys who are really good backups who can step in, not turn the ball over. I think Gardner's probably more in their camp uh, with this. But when he throws it three picks in a game, you're sort of like, that's not who he is. No. And that's not who he's proven to be over five years. So I'm not really worried about that. Um, but absolutely, if you get the run game going, that's where I think you're going to start to see Gardner really thrive in this offense. I like that Gardner said afterwards, hey, I was, I was crap. Yeah, you know, right. He took me. accountability yeah, for it. Guys, yeah. hey, that, this one's on me. Love, we know how that young man is, how he goes in. But from here, you know, he'll say, hey, that was a, you know, that's kind of a dark spot of what happened. But we do have some bright spots. Shifting the gears yeah. a little bit. Rookie, Blake Freeland starting there. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this. Hey, what do we do with the offensive line? What do we do with, the, you know, Braden Smith? Hey, Bernard Ryman outside. This kid's flip-flopping and playing good football. I want to dial it back to, like, the offseason where Chris Ballard didn't make any veteran additions to that offensive line. And a lot of people were like, okay, first of all, why didn't you go get a starting, you know, right guard or a tackle to compete with Bernard Ryman? Well, Bernard Ryman's playing, like, one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Wow. I know, I know he had the sack you know, where uh, Allen got him around the edge, but that was the first sack he's given up all year. If you turn on the tape, he's looking really good. Will Fries, I talked about it on the pod last week, just like rock solid in there. Not a liability, not even just, not even like he's playing poorly. He is playing just solid football at right guard. That's exactly what you need out of that spot. And then the depth. Okay, so you didn't go out and go get, you know, a veteran swing tackle. Well, Blake Freeland's playing like a pretty good swing tackle right now, as a rookie. Yeah. And th- when the Colts drafted him in the fourth round, it was, this guy's going to be our swing tackle this year. He can play on the right. He can play on the left. He did both at BYU. Yeah, he doesn't have experience, but we trust him. And so far, I think, you know, he had a couple pressures he gave up to Aaron Donald, which um, will happen to anybody. And outside of that, like I was talking about this with Rick Venturi on the bus uh, coming, coming from the airport in Jacksonville. And he's just like, Blake's playing really good football. And for a backup to come in as a rookie Mm -hmm. and to step in and start on both the left and the right side now and to play solid football where it's not like, 
like you think about he, he's not like a turnstile out there. And sometimes when you bring in these these backups, it's just like you're they're getting picked on all the time and they, they can't block anyone and it becomes a liability. That is not Blake Freeland at all for this offensive line. That wasn't what Wesley French was when he stepped in for Ryan Kelly for two games as well. That's a really good sign that it's not just Tony Sperano Jr. coaching up those five guys, the five starters. He's getting good play out of guys who are making their NFL debuts in Blake Freeland and Wesley French. You should feel pretty good about where that team is going, I that mean, group of offensive linemen. As I'm going to ask a greedy question. You said swing. He swung from the you know, yeah. left side to the right side, swing tackle. Can he move inside and be a true swing guy? Uh, he never played that at BYU. Um, but, I mean, look, the more you can do as a backup, you know, maybe you trust him there. Right, right. I, I think that, you know, we haven't seen the Colts need a, a someone to step in at guard this year. Um, you know, that would probably be Josh Sills, who the, the Colts picked up on waivers from the Eagles uh, before the, or on a roster cutdown day. Mm-hmm. He'd probably be the guy to step in there. Um, that might be maybe throwing a little too much on Blake's plate, but he's really athletic. He's got good feel for the position. Um, you know, maybe that's something in the future for him. Offensive line is playing well. Way to go, Ryman. Way to go, Blake Freeland. Another uh, young youngster that's on this roster playing well. Juju Brent's got to tip the hat. First career interception. Yeah. Hopefully now they come in buckets for the young man. He plays so physical out there. Like you can just, bro. He's a house, though. I mean, let's, yeah. I, I, I mean, I want to say this before you go on with this yeah. thing. He's so big, yeah. As a as a corner like that, like you sit to him next in the locker room or when he has pads on, it's ridiculous. I mean, he's like it almost seems like he's six six playing. It's he's not, but he looks so big with the reach and everything that he has. What a huge body he has playing this position. You know what's funny? What watching him is like. You know, cornerbacks when they you know force an incompletion, they kind of do like yeah. this. Like for our audio listeners, I'm doing the thing where you like keep, you know like a safe sign for a yeah. baseball. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, and Juju, it's like, I mean, it's like unfurling like wings of a jumbo jet. <laughs> right, right. It's like, it's, oh man, like it's almost like, like I mean, I'm sure the guys on the field know, like, man, this guy's got really long arms. But you see that, and it's like, phew, good lord, this guy's got a 90 inch wingspan. You can grab the what it feels like off the coordinator on the sideline. <laughs> I mean, no, you're right. Just yeah. a huge span and everything. But it, I, hopefully, these things come in buckets. And he's one of those corners that we have here for about ten years. Yeah. That's just saying, hey, it's shutdown time. The hometown, the hometown kid playing well. I think the the thing with him that you know you kind of looked at when he was coming out was he didn't necessarily have the speed that you sometimes see top end corners have. But the Colts felt like because of his length that he could make up for it. That he wasn't going to get beat over the top because it is kind of a different calculus when. You ha- you might have a corner who's six one with a seventy five inch wingspan who's got really good speed, but you can dump it over the top of that guy because his arms can't reach there and he doesn't have the height. With Juju, maybe he's got four five speed, I think is what he ran at the combine, but he's got an eighty something inch wingspan and he's six three. So it's a different trajectory that ball's gotta be on because Juju can just use his length to go knock that ball down. And then at his physicality at the line. Like he's able in press coverage to get his hands on the receiver and to reroute that receiver pretty well. And he's still learning, but I think you you see what he's doing out there on a play-to-play basis and you feel really good about his upside. You love getting that first pick out of the way um, and just, you know, okay, hey, now you're not, you know, you're not pressing for that as a rookie. Go out there and, you know, keep doing it, keep playing the way you are. And by the way, in the run game, he sticks his nose in there. Yeah. He had seven tackles the other day. There was one where ETN, 
I think it was ETN, got on the outside. And some corners, he probably would have beat. And Juju just grabbed him, dropped him to the ground like it was nothing. I love it. Really cool to see. Got to keep that going. Offensive side of the ball, we talked about Blake Freeland, rather. Juju having a great one. Josh Downs just continuously, continuously, continuously being a best friend for the quarterback here in Indianapolis. And whether it's Anthony Richardson or Minshew, this young man's saying, hey, I need to be on the field. Yeah, especially with, you know, he fits kind of that. If you're going to go a lot of quicker throws like Gardner is going to do, Josh Downs is going to get himself open. And he's going to get himself open quickly within his routes on time. Um, a guy who, you know, look, depending on how long Gardner starts, um, I wouldn't be shocked if he led the Colts in receptions this year. Just because he's that guy who, I mean, we saw it in training camp. Gardner was just peppering him with throws over and over and over again. And we asked Gardner, hey, why are you throwing to down so much? He's Because like, he's open. <laughs> and Downs is going to keep getting open. The Colts are going to keep finding ways to use him in this offense. And again, I wouldn't be totally shocked if he led this team in receptions. What's he at right now? Fantasy players, are you listening? Well, look, I think I think saying. a lot a lot of people in their leagues. Uh, I, I've noticed this. Like, like my wife's in a league with a bunch of her friends, and she's like, "Man, like someone just picked up Josh Downs." And she was like, "Where was my heads up on that?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, sorry, I probably should." Boy, that you. is on you, JJ. Yeah, That's yeah. sacrilegious, right there. Look, I'm just trying to keep an even playing field for uh, <laughs> you know. I'm not in that league, so. So, uh, Michael Pittman right now, he leads the team with 40 receptions. Josh has 28. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. Pittman probably leads his team in receptions. But Josh but Downs, yeah. Josh could be, I mean, he could be right there. He could absolutely be right there in that mix. Um, just because I think on a week-to-week basis, he's going to, you're going to get four or five catches out of him baseline. And you could have some weeks where he gets 10, some weeks where he gets five, some weeks where he gets eight. I think just like he'll be in that 5 to 10 range almost every week. I think it's going to be Reggie Wayne's sort of project. Not project, he's got a lot of them in that room, but one that's a favorite of his, if you will, is watching him be a better player because he's you know you've talked to Reggie starting at training camp about yeah. how excited they are to have Josh Jones oh man in. I mean and now it's starting to come almost 100 yard Dave you know for the first time in his career so those things are going to be rolling downhill JJ Stankovitz I'm Jeffrey Gorman this is the official Colts podcast brought to you by our friends at Win Las Vegas I got a couple of random questions coming yeah. your way the trade deadline coming up where we're at with this season obviously our big gun down for a little bit what, what happens across the NFL with teams that are you know, in that mid-level thing, hey, we're we're treading water at three and three right now. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think you're probably you you still kind of have to take the long-term view of this this whole project. Of you got a, a one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You got a quarterback in Anthony Richardson who you want to keep building around. Um, does that lend itself to a, an aggressive win now? you know, we're going after it move. Like you think about the teams that might do that, that at the trade deadline, you're trying to plug a hole on your roster. And you're like, we got, we have a championship level roster. We just need to go get this one thing. Maybe it's, you know, you go get another edge rusher or you go get a, you know, a third wide receiver or something like that. I don't necessarily know if that's where the Colts are. Um, We haven't really seen that be a, a thing that Chris Ballard has done here. Um, But by the way, I mean, Chris Ballard made one of the moves at the deadline last year going to get Zach Moss. Sure. Uh, he's kind of an afterthought in the whole Naheem Hines trade, but turned out they got a pretty good player out of that. Um, you know, th- those draft picks are going to be valuable that you would have to burn to go get someone, but I wouldn't put it past this team if, a, if the right guy becomes available who this team likes to go consider it. I, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think, you know, Chris Ballard is someone who's always said, you, your roster is never done being constructed. 
There are always ways to improve it, whether that's through bringing guys in to your practice squad, who you bring up to your active roster, you sign a free agent off the street, you make a trade. There are always different ways you can upgrade your roster throughout the season. And I think the Colts have shown they are always going to try to find that way. Again, I'm not sitting here saying Colts are going to go out and trade for you know whoever, but it's something that you know, I'm sure Chris Ballard and Ned Dodds and those guys are always constantly talking through. Follow him on Twitter at or Twitter X, I call it. Or who, X who cares? Whatever it Whatever. is. Whatever. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Follow him at JJ Stankovitz. Okay. Uh, this thing right here. People are, yeah, uh, look are at talking that. about this beauty right here. Colts are going to be wearing this thing. And I think it's the first time in their, you know, since they've been in uh, in operations that they've ever worn first black helmet. a black helmet. And yeah. it's, it, tell me about this game against Cleveland that's coming up and what the Colts are going to look like. So they're going to be in this this black helmet, which for our, our viewers on YouTube, you can see it right here. Uh, we have a jersey over there. I didn't I didn't actually go get it. You want me to go get the jersey? Yeah, get All it. Right, All right, let's do this. This that's, is great for our audio listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Here's where we go. He's got the jersey. Oh, wow. Look at that. Now, YouTube watchers, you oh, check can this, see. Check, this is the jersey right here. You can see. Uh, it's got this like this pretty cool heather pattern on it. Which, a what uh, pattern? It's called uh, heather pattern. On the blue, right? Yeah. Okay. First in NFL history. Uh, with the with the heather, so it's kind of a like little you know. It's tough to see for the because yeah. the camera's so far away. But yeah, there is definitely a different sort of blue on that. Yeah. But it looks not meshy, but what what's the word I'm looking for? Heather. Uh, I would say like texture. Texture. Yeah, I don't know heather. Yeah, but, and then you, know. you got uh, you know, you got your black black outline uh on the the numbers here. So yeah, pretty cool. Good. Pretty, pretty cool jersey. That's happening. For, first time that the Colts are going to wear the black helmet, like you said, Jeffrey. Um, and I don't know. I think it looks pretty nice. Find some right swag here. on yeah. Colts.com and Colts Pro Shop. There you go. That's a up. that's a plug right there. I'm just saying it's that's there. A plug. If you want it, and don't forget. Speaking of plugs, by the way, this Gatorade Fast Twitch is you delicious. like that? I love you? this hey, stuff. Gatorade. It's like jet fuel. If you're I love listening, it. get on board with JJ Stankovic. Don't forget Inside Football with Rick Venturi will be out on Wednesdays, giving you the blueprints for the Colts to beat the Browns in Week Seven. Another episode of the Colts official podcast will land Thursday. Matt Taylor, Casey Valier, Bill Brooks, and a TBD player to be determined they will have one sitting on the couch joining the pod and looking ahead to Sunday's game. We give the player the chair, by the way. Do you do? Yeah. What are you guys, three up on that thing? No, 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 no. We we usually, uh, I think it's usually Casey who bounces out. Gotcha. Okay. Gives up the chair to the player. Be great if you had three people in one in there. That's what I want next time. Can yeah. we get more people in so I can have a, a, a true panel right there on the couch? We'll work on you it. You guys on yeah, the couch. Yeah, we'll work on it. Way. Yeah, we got a lot of YouTube comments about <laughs> stop talking about the couch, and here we are talking about the couch. Hey, don't forget instant reaction with this guy right here and Bill Brooks, Colts Ring of Honor member. They give you the uh, the immediate the immediate instant reaction, uh, recapping the Colts and the Browns. That's right after the whistle blows. You guys get to work and, and get yeah. down on that. So, hey, what, what was what was the thing you were going to throw at me uh, at the end here? Well, the thing I was going to throw at you at the end is is Cleveland is a is home to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. So music is a big thing. I'm trying to think of of Cleveland. I've been there a few times. I remember. Uh, you know, I mean, there's some stuff to do. There's some nice yeah. lakes and stuff around that area of Hawaii. Of Hawaii. Of Hawaii. Hawaii. Wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, People oh, often convince. Oahu. Often, often confuse uh, Cleveland for being in Hawaii. But we have found out that, and I do some research on you just to give our our, our listeners and our viewers just a little <laughs> insight into you because you're a wealth of knowledge here. But you were in, if 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 this is correct, you were in the jazz ensemble at Missouri when you were in college. That is incorrect. You were in a jazz club. That is incorrect. 
<laughs> You're trying to put me in a kayak in alligator-infested <laughs> waters last week. You Listen, put me in the jazz club this week. You were in an ensemble, a jazz ensemble. That is incorrect. Well, I know you've had ivory. You've tickled the ivory young in your career, and I thought that went into something. No. That's true. You were a piano okay, player, all right. JJ. Yeah, yeah you Before got me on that. Before you in the NFL, you did tickle the ivories, and you missed Super Bowls because you had gigs. That's correct. We were talking about this, and uh, my I, I have not let my parents live it down. Okay. That I grew up, they, they had me in piano lessons from first grade to, I don't know, sixth grade. And uh, my piano teacher, Mrs. Wright, she always had recitals on Super Bowl Sunday. Sounds like Mrs. And Wrong. Not, uh, gah, I mean, got him. come on. Uh, and they were always at 5 o'clock. What time does the Super Bowl kick off yeah, like, on Central Time? 5.15. Yeah. I missed multiple Super Bowls for piano recitals. And I told my parents, I, I, I got to quit. I got to quit piano. Like, I, I'm missing the Super Bowl. And I remember my, you know, my mom being like, well, you know, you might regret quitting piano someday. And um, I don't because I work in the NFL now covering football. So I never let my parents live that one down that I was doing piano recitals. I missed that great Titans Rams Super Bowl because you were tickling. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, poorly. You you put out any albums, anything on Apple Music we can listen to that you've done? No. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know what that would sound like, but no one wants to hear that. I just try. I put you in situations sometimes that I'm, I, I make you dig out a little bit. But hey, it's true. You're a musician at heart. No. Yeah, you did. You had six years of piano lessons. That's okay. A you know. You know what I can do though. Uh, you know those like little. So we we had the little toy pianos for my kids and stuff. Uh, I learned how to play on one of them, like when the Saints go marching in and jingle bells. <laughs> okay. Just on these like you know tiny little uh, little you know, baby toys when my kids were, you know, not even a year old, I would just be like messing around on that. Keep it up. I do. I do. Okay. You're right. I do have it in me. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it on the show that people want to hear. So, Hey, any closing thoughts we got from you? Because, uh, JJ's, you'll, you'll read on JJ at Colts.com. Follow him on Twitter X at JJ Stankvitz. It's a big game. It's another big game. The playoff hopes are still alive here and stuff. Closing thoughts facing these Browns coming up. It's good defense. Mm -hmm. Jim Schwartz, by the way, has been doing this for a long time. I, I was reading about this. The way that he lines up the D ends in that wide nine, you know, where the, the ends are like way outside of the tackles. You know where that started? Where? When he was with the Titans, he got sick of Edger and James running the ball on him so much that he figured out a way to try to stop Edge from getting to the edge, if you will. So he threw him outside even further. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it crashing down. Yep. Edgerin's still in the mix. Yep. I love it. He changed defenses. Schwartz is a good one. This is going to be a tough one. Uh, Appreciate the time of you today. What's going on? Uh, We do face an uphill battle after that loss in Jacksonville, dropping two to the Jags. But somehow, some way, man, this this funky league – we get on a streak, we start hitting stuff, yep. people start losing. You never know what happens with Anthony Richardson or without. So fingers crossed, but this is a big one. We got to get these next two. And like you said, facing two great defenses Cleveland, New Orleans. Three and three with 11 games to go. There's still a whole season's ahead of this team. Let's go. Well done. Hey, thank you for your musical input today. Appreciate <laughs> your football input as well. Again, we are brought to you by our friends at Win Las Vegas. I'm Jeffrey Gorman. JJ Stankovitz. Find out more. Any information, the latest and greatest, what you need, go to Colts.com. And again, a big thanks to our friends at Win Las Vegas. I'm Jeffrey Gorman. And for JJ Stankovitz, thanks, Sherry, behind the camera. And we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>